but all I did last week. But Frances Eiley called, texted me and told me how it helped her and just ministered to her in a lot of ways. And somebody else told me too. So I thought, okay, well, that must be God. So that's all right. It helped two people for sure. And that's all right. It, and it just, you know, um, God just shows us things and we live things and we learn things by the Spirit. And we just show, we share them, what God shows us. And, you know, we learn from each other. Uh, just how to walk out, what we've learned, you know, and that's how we encourage each other in the Lord. So I'm going to try to talk louder because Dennis and Speedy have a hard time hearing me, don't y'all? I know it. Can y'all hear me better? You know, I can yell. I can yell. (laughs) When I'm talking, I don't talk too loud. But I'm going to try to remember for those that are receiving their healing and their hearing. And so, which is also Alan. (laughs) This is selective, though. But anyway... So, you heard that. I knew you'd hear that. So, anyway, um, but, <laughs> so I'm going to try to be mindful of that. I know, and it's down here. You know, I need a man collar to put it right here or something. I've got a lot of skin on my neck. I could probably hook it to that, but I think that would hurt. Don't you think that would hurt? I was looking at it today and went, gosh, what could I do with this? But, anyway, I, my motto is get in and out of the mirror. You know, just get in and get out. Don't stay there. If you stay there, you're going to think, mm. So, anyway, get in and get out. Anyway, and be thankful. Just be thankful. Yay, Jesus. So, anyway, so let's start. This is part two. I'm going to try to finish tonight. Ooh, 727. I may can do it. I have to stay on course. So, Father, we thank you. I just ask you to just refresh everyone that's here tonight, the youth, the children, the all the adults, God. Just refresh those that are here, those that couldn't come. Father, just bring a great refreshing and encouraging, a lifting of our heads, of our hopes, of our dreams, of just let us know, Father. I, I, we're just reminded that you are doing a good work, and the work you've begun in us, you are continuing it. It's not us doing it. Alan was talking about that. It's not us doing it. We do cooperate. We do follow. You lead. We follow. But we don't perform. We lean on you. And so, Father, I thank you the good work you've begun in us. You will continue it until this the day of completion. And I just ask you to give us hearts to receive, ears to hear, and hearts to receive tonight. Father, I ask you to heal everybody, every heart. Um, Father, I, I pray for David Powers' family. They uh, just found his brother today. He had passed away in his truck. And so I just lift up David and his family, Father, that you would minister comfort to them and just uh, help them in the days ahead, Lord, to, to just receive your peace and your comfort. I pray also for Herman Harris's family, Father, that Herman passed away. He's just a year older than Alan and I. And Father, I think that's too young. And so we just, I don't know any details, but I again ask you to comfort his family and friends, Father, that knew him well. And we just thank you, Father. We just thank you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Well, I'm just going to review just a little bit from last week. And um, I was talking out of the book of Mark or teaching out of the book of Mark. And I read... uh, um, quite a bit in Mark chapter 11, but I'm just going to highlight Mark 11:24 because the title of the message is Pray, Receive, and Have. Or I told you last week uh, that the subtitle could be Don't Let the Devil Swallow Your Cows. And I told you if I get to it, I'm going to tell you tonight. I believe I'm going to get to it. I'll tell you what that means. But anyway, so we talked about that. And in Mark 11:24, so I'm just going to read this scripture. It says, um, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire. I just love that. I just kind of stopped on that. You know, God says what you desire. And we talked about, we read scriptures that when you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. So it's so beautiful. We're delighting in him. He's filling our heart. And we're just telling him our desires. And I am always amazed at things that... I think, you know, are just so small and unimportant. But God cares about those things. He cares about what you care about. You're his child. Don't you care about what your children care about, what's important to them? Sure we do. We all do. And we care. We would make it all right, wouldn't we? We could fix every little thing. I'm a fixer. Some might call it enabling. I don't like to call it that. I like to call it fixing. Right, Carla? That's right. Me and Carla know we're sisters in the fixing group. 
uh, part of my anointing is to help fix you, help God. But, um, you know, but God wants to fix things that are broken and hurting. And I think God spoils us, not in a bad way, but he just showers his love upon us. Hey, the price he paid to get us back, to be able to have fellowship and relationship with us, uh, what other love, what great love is that? You think he wants to withhold from you after doing that? If he wanted to withhold, he'd say, oh, they messed up. Adam and Eve, mm, I don't want to do this again. But he didn't do that. He's willing to go to the cross for us and to to call our name in love, as the line in the song said. So here we have Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, that means when you talk to the Lord about it, when you pray, believe that you receive them. When? When you pray. I don't like people ask me questions and they you say an answer and they go, no, I don't, I don't like that. I like, I'm going to go ahead and give you the answer. I'm a fixer, remember? And so <laughs> I don't like those trick questions or anyway, try to get you on the spot. But you believe that you receive them when you pray. And then it says in this verse, and you shall have them. So that's an important thing. You're not hoping. You're not trying to get. You're not trying to receive. When you ask God, that's faith. In your heart of faith, you're asking the Lord. You're praying according to his will. You know what his word says. You're not asking for someone else's husband. Okay, I told you all last week, don't do that. That's not God. That's not his will. You're asking according to what you know his will is. Some things I realize may not, you, that may be in our lives that we don't, quote, have it written down here. But God gives us plenty of things. He said that, that when we acknowledge him, he'll direct our paths. So, you know, there's so many things that cover everything we need. And so, when you're praying, believe that you receive from him what you've asked. And it says, and then you'll have it. It doesn't mean that God, well, now God asked about this. Well, now God, I asked about this. Well, now God, I asked about this. Well, now God, I asked you about this. You know, you get it settled. I, I asked you. And I, re- I receive it right now. You know, I told Alan today, we were talking about this scripture. He's saying, what are you going to preach on? I said, I'm going to finish up, uh, in Jesus' name, I'm going to finish up last week's. And I told him, and this isn't an exact, well, it is in a way, but I mean, I told him, I said, you know, for a long time, I, I mean, the night I was saved, I was saved, although I didn't really know what happened to me. I didn't do the normal stuff. I told you I didn't pray the sinner's prayer. I didn't all that. He tells you all what I did, how they said, what do you want from God? And I said, peace. I was saved at that moment. At that moment, he came in, the Prince of Peace. I realize that's not everybody's normal way or whatever, but, you know, anyhow. But the thing is, I didn't know the word. I didn't know what the word said. And so I kept, I kept praying the sinner's prayer. When I found out you were supposed to pray your sinner's prayer, I didn't go to a church that taught you to pray your sinner's prayer. And so I didn't even know about that, you know. And so I'd watch TV and I kept, I kept praying the sinner's prayer. But I never felt like I was saved. I just, because I, I just, I didn't know. I kept messing up, so I thought I was unsaved again. You know, I was ignorant, you know. The enemy gets us because we perish, so to speak. Or I would just say we're miserable for lack of knowledge. It wasn't that I wasn't saved. That night I received him, I was saved. But the enemy could torment me. I mean, I just told Alan today when he was saying, what do you pray? I said, you know, the scripture I realized is it's not talking about um, salvation because when you pray and you believe, you do, you know, I believe that I'm saved. And then you, and then you have your salvation. You pray, you ask the Lord to come in by faith. You receive that. And you're saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord is saved. But my point is this. I prayed. I was saved. But I didn't know it. I didn't, quote, have it in here because I didn't know. And so I was praying and praying that sinner's prayer a 100,000 times. And, you know, until I saw in the Word. And I began to read it and see. And I'd say, so... I'm saying all this to say this. So I said, okay. I didn't remember exact. I didn't know exactly what day in May I got saved, but I knew I got saved in May, and it was 1980. So I nailed it down, and I said, on this day, or a day in May of 1980, I received the Lord. And that settles it. 
And the Bible says, when I call on him, I'm saved. So shut up, devil. Shut up. You know, and then I learned the difference between my spirit and my soul. And even my soul was being a mess. My spirit was still saved and made perfect by God. And so I'm just saying, it's kind of the same way. Once, when you pray and you receive it, we're going to talk about the divine rest in faith and saving. Because, see, I can know when I've prayed and I'm trying to receive. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm trying to believe that I receive But I know when I haven't really received because I don't have a rest about it. I keep I keep going back to the word. I keep uh, building my faith. But once I receive, I know it. You know, I really even kind of forget about it. I really kind of forget about what I've prayed. I am so at rest and I'm so assured that I have it and it will come when God is ready to deliver. And so that's what I'm talking about, receiving. That's what I'm talking about. You, when you... When you pray, believe that you receive, and you shall have them. And so I'm talking about, am I making sense to y'all? Are y'all understanding what I'm talking about? I'm talking about receiving what it is that you're praying for. If it's healing, you know what the Bible says? It says, by the stripes that went to Jesus. And I'm not saying that you can't go back to God. I go back and write. He says, put me in remembrance. I put him in remembrance. You know what? I'm putting myself in remembrance. You know, I told you about my son Chad's teeth last week, and, and I prayed, and I believed God had touched him, and God had given me a scripture, but then I kind of began to, the enemy tried to shake my confidence in God, so I went back, and God gave me another scripture, and I just kind of settled it out, and God's done this, it's taken care of, even though the outward, his little tooth still looked dark as all get out, but God had healed it on the inside, and they didn't pull that baby, so anyway, I'm not going to tell the whole story again, but the point is, The enemy will try to shake your confidence and you just go back to the Word and say, no, I received it. No. And I'm going to tell you some testimonies and stuff. So anyway, that's what I'm talking about. I believe when you pray, receive and you'll have. Uh, We talked about the enemy. That's what I was talking about. Trying to shake your confidence in God and his Word. And we talked different scriptures last week about uh, that we have this confidence. That we know he hears us. When we pray, we know he hears us. We're not wondering, uh, God, is your line busy or did you really hear me? You know, when it's not happening like we think it should. He hears. The Bible says he hears. He hears us. You don't have to wonder. The Bible says he hears you. And that he cares. And that he'll never leave you or forsake you. So that builds your confidence when you're praying. He says come boldly to the throne of grace to receive help. When you need it. There's so many scriptures that just build your confidence about God hearing you and wanting to answer you. And wanting you to, as Joel was preaching, believe big and receive big from God. I mean, that old poverty spirit from the devil saying, yeah, we just better ask God for just a little bit. Because, you know, I don't know if God's got enough to bless me and her too. I'm just saying, we... We put our poverty, lack mentality onto God because we're so afraid of looking greedy or worldly or whatever. And I'm not talking about being greedy or worldly, but I am talking about receiving all that God has for you. Check it out in the book. Check it out what he's got for you. And I'm talking about receiving that. I don't know why we think we're so holy or so godly or whatever. We just, no, 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 God. I just barely, barely better take this. I better crawl up here. I'm not talking about being haughty or prideful. I'm talking about coming to your loving Heavenly Father, arms wide open, to pray to great price with His own blood for you to have all of what He intended you to have to begin with. I'm trying to get you into receiving mode. I'm trying to encourage you to step into that place that the enemy wants you to make you think you're not worthy to step into, but God's blood Himself, through His Son, has made you worthy. And you don't come with a haughty attitude. You come with a thankful attitude. Thank you for what you've done for me. And I, tell you, I always say this. I want, I want God to get his every drop of blood's worth that he paid for me. I want to receive. I don't want to act ungrateful. I don't want to be ungrateful. I'm, are y'all getting what I'm saying? I'm grateful. I talked last week about Alana uh, being ashamed of the blessings because of that old poverty spirit in that place where we were. I mean, we were so D-U-M-B. <laughs> you know, I mean, 
Because the enemy, and not man, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. It's the enemy, it's the devil and his principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. And that's why you need the armor of God on Ephesians 6. Because the enemy doesn't want you to enjoy and walk in the peace, just the peace and joy. Hey, you don't want any stuff? Why, would you want some peace and joy and healing? I mean, and it's not about stuff. It's just really not. But I tell you, used to, if God would say, okay, Kim, I want to bless you. He gave me a scripture, and I don't say this often. I mean, he just said it, but in my old self, but he gave a scripture that said, I'm going to give you a life of prosperity. In my old self, I'd have said, oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, you, you know, cower. Thinking that, that's really false humility. I don't know, false humility? I don't know what you call that. But, you know, it's kind of like when somebody gives you a compliment, you go, oh, I do that, and y'all do that. <laughs> you know, I this old thing, you know, it's old, I got it at Walmart, you know, I don't know, I probably did, who cares? But, you know, the point is, we all just kind of go, we just kind of back up and go, oh, don't compliment me, not worthy, not worthy. And I'm not worthy, but I'm just saying, we're so, I don't know what we are. But God wants us to bring us up in that place. I tell you what, Jesus did not have a problem telling them who he was and what he came to do, did he? And God wants that boldness in us. Come boldly to the throne of grace. I don't know if I'm going to get through tonight. I'm going to try. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Come boldly. Don't just barely crawl up there and say, well, God, if it's your will, if you want to. Come thankfully. But come bravely and boldly because his arms are open and he wants to help you. He's our present help in time of trouble. A very present help, the Bible says, in time of trouble. But if the enemy can convince us that we are some, we need to stay under a rock somewhere and not dare come out into God's light to receive anything, then that's where we'll stay. And we'll think, well, God doesn't love me. Yes, he does. He loves you, and he's got for you, but the enemy is convincing you that you need to stay back here under the rock. And you're not praying what you desire, let alone receiving it when you pray. So you pray, and you receive, and you shall have. And don't let the enemy shake your confidence. You know, um, we also talked about, I'm just on the first two lines here. Uh, we also talked about that while there's time, you know, how many of you know things don't happen immediately when you pray? Uh, seldom do we get it immediately, but that's okay. Hey, we're not in charge of that. We're just in part of receiving. Well, that's our part. But there's a time period, a lot of times, when we receive and when we actually have it, when it comes into manifestation, when we can see it. And so... In that in-between time, you need to say, I believe I have received, or just say, I have received. And then in between that time and the time of the manifestation, when you have it, time comes in there. So in that time, you praise God. You thank him. You go back like I did when I was saved. said, on this day, I was saved, devil. Shut up. Or on this day, I thank the Lord for healing me and for his stripes. So shut up. I'm healed no matter what my body's saying. I'm receiving. I've received it. It will manifest. You know, the Lord taught me about healing. He said it comes from the inside out. Before I ever heard one Andrew Walmart teaching, God just showed me that. So I thought, that's true then, you know. But Because he's on the inside. The healer's on the inside. So it comes. It doesn't come from here. It comes from within. He's the one, the giver of all life, the giver of every blessing. He's on the inside of us. We receive here, and it comes and manifests out. Um, we talked about that the promises of God, because the scripture says, the promises are inherited with faith and patience. The enemy will try to get you, either shake your faith in God, or get you impatient and try to make you work it on out. Try to get you to, to do it. And so, uh, <laughs> you got to stay in faith and patience. You've got to feed yourself in those areas, and you'll enter in. We talked about entering into a divine rest, and I was talking that, about that a little bit earlier. Faith has a divine rest, and when God's word gets down on in the inside of your heart, and you know that God's heard you, there will be an unshakable rest. No matter what comes, you can just say no. That's what God did. That's what he said. That's what he's promised. That is what I've received. I know it's according to his will. 
and I'm standing fast. You know, you can go to God and you can say, Lord, and I'm not saying you don't ever talk to the Lord, but, you, you know, there's times I said, Lord, is there anything I'm missing? Is there anything else you need me to know? Is there anything that, uh, any change, anything that you want, any, uh, what's the word, I um, can't think of, any changes you want to make? And if you don't hear anything, I said, you don't hear anything, don't do anything. People say, well, I don't know, I don't know what to do. I say, if you don't know what to do, don't do anything. Stay still. The enemy is ever trying to push us to get us to hurry up to make some uh, knee-jerk moves and reactions instead of taking time to hear what God has to say. So just stay chilled out and let God speak to you. Let him do it. You know, God wants to give you a divine rest as you pray with him and as you just believe him and you just thank him. Um, You can enjoy rest that simply looks up into the goodness, the faithfulness, the love, and the grace of God. You can receive that when you pray and just praise him because you know that what you've asked is yours in spite of all the devil can say to you. You know, I do that. I, you know, probably especially when you uh, have received healing in your heart of faith, but your body's still telling you different, you know. I just go back to the word. I say, no, I received. I received God's word. You know, I speak to the symptoms. I tell them to go in Jesus' name. We're going to talk about declaring and doing some things tonight. But talking about entering into that rest, talking about looking into the faithfulness of God, that's encouraging yourself in the Lord and building your confidence in who he is. He's good. Good God, bad devil. Good things happening, it's from God. Bad things happening, it's from the devil. Psalm 37, verses 3 through 5 says this. It says, keep trusting in the Lord and do what is right in his eyes. Fix your heart on the promises of God and you will be secure. Or I would say, you will rest. Feasting on his faithfulness. Make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life and he will provide for you what you desire. What you desire the most, he'll provide it. Give God the right to direct your life. And as you trust him all along the way, you'll find that he pulled it off perfectly. This is a life that you're giving God the, the place to direct. And he's the one that's going to pull it off. If we're still in charge, if we're still telling God how it's going to be or what we're going to do, then things are out of order. God is first. You're delighting yourself in him. You're giving him the right to direct your life. Uh, You're yielding to God. You're submitting to him. And that places you in that place of hearing clearly. You know, in this building, you get in different places with your phone. And then sometimes you can hear and sometimes you can't. You walk back there and go, wait a minute, i got to walk back up here. You know, and it's that position. You're positioning. And you see that with your phone. If you get in a certain position can't hear some places going through kingsbury cut off altogether you know san marcus sometimes cut off dropped altogether i'm just saying our positioning is and we're saved it's not that we're not saved but if you want to hear clearly it's not that the, the that it's not coming through but you've got a position to hear clearly and that's what i'm talking about you need to see yourself out of the situation You know, when you haven't yet seen the manifestation of what you have received in prayer, when you haven't seen the manifestation yet, when you don't, quote, have it yet in the natural, then you need to feed on the faithfulness of God as this uh, Psalm 35, I'm sorry, 37 was saying, verses 3 through 5, feed on the faithfulness of God. That is your faith. At work, you're feeding, you're saying, God, I thank you, I'm faithful. Because, see, the enemy's going to try to speak to you and say, well, it ain't never going to happen. You know, God doesn't care about you. You know, he, well, you know, God doesn't really want, you know. You've got to feed on the faithfulness of God. You're feeding your faith and your rest. And so you feed on the faithfulness of God and praise him and thank God for your answer. And praise is faith at work. When we're praising God, that's faith at work. See yourself out of the situation. See yourself delivered. See yourself healed. 
See what God sees and what God says. Make that what you see. That's what you see. See your children saved. See your family saved. See what they see. What did, God told Abraham, look at the sky. This is how many kids you're going to have. <laughs> look. Look up here. God wants you to see it. He wants you to see it. Praising God changes what you see. Feeding on his faithfulness changes what you see. It changes what you receive. God says of Abraham in Romans chapter 4 verse 20, it said Abraham, it said he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving praise to God. He was strong in faith, giving praise to God. God had given him a promise. God waited almost 25 years to fulfill it when Abraham's body was as good as dead and couldn't perform anymore in the natural. But the Bible says that that, that Abraham, he wasn't on his timetable. He was on God's timetable, God's promise. It says it in the Amplified like this. It says in verse 20 of Romans chapter 4 in the Amplified Bible, no unbelief or distrust. That's what that's. That's what happens, and that's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to get us in unbelief or get us to quit trusting God. We don't want to call it that. We call it other stuff. I won't even name what we call it. But that's what it bottom line boils down to. We've gotten into unbelief. We're not believing, and we're not trusting. And you know what? You've got to identify that and step up and say, you know what? In my heart of hearts, I know that's where I am, but God... Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So I'm going to feed on your faithfulness in the word of God. And that faith's going to come and I'm going to believe. And I'm not going to, I'm going to get out of unbelief and I'm going to trust you. No unbelief or distrust, talking about Abraham, made him waver, made him doubtingly question concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God. So you see what praise giving praise to God does. And he just focused on the promise. He just focused on what God said. He refused to go by the circumstances. It's the same thing for us. Why do you think this stuff's written down for us? So that you can learn from it. So that I can learn from it. And we can act out, act on it. Look at Abraham. This is what he did. When his body was as good as dead and so was Sarah's, Abraham just focused on what God had promised him and just gave praise and glory to him until it manifested, until it happened. But we get tired about Two minutes. Just saying. Maybe not two, but you know what I'm talking about. God's got things he wants you to have. But it may not happen in your timetable and probably won't. But you'll just stay with God. He'll see to it. Talked about my daughter. promise he'd given us probably over 15 years ago, that he would bring her from the east. She lived in Houston. Fifteen years later or more, he did bring her and has brought her. And I'm just saying, I wasn't on my timetable. I was on his. I was in a divine rest about it. Didn't fret on it. Didn't think on it. Just thank God for it. When he gave me that scripture and I saw that promise and he, uh, how do you say it? He, um, It's like that word, when I read that scripture that day, it's like that scripture came alive to me and I knew it was for me and I knew God was speaking it to me to believe and receive that for my daughter. It was something he wanted. It was something he wanted for us and he wanted for her. And so when he illuminated, does anybody know, has anybody got a better way to say that? I'm probably not saying it that good, but we call it a rhema. A revelation, a revelation of that scripture, and we call it a rhema word, where it, it becomes more than black and white on the page. It comes off the page to you, and you know, God's speaking to me through that word. But see, you don't just sit there and let it lay on the page. You begin to take it, and you say, I receive that. Father, I pray, you pray, <laughs> whatever you desire, then you receive, and then you shall have. So you pray it, you receive it as being done for you. And then you'll have it. So that's just one way God will speak. He can speak to your heart. He can speak to you through the word. So he can speak to you through someone else, someone you hear teaching. Many ways. But the point is to focus on Abraham praised God before he ever saw Isaac. Did y'all know that? Before he ever saw Isaac, he praised God. He praised God. He grew strong in faith as he looked at the promise of God. And he praised God. 
that his word could not be shaken because God's word cannot be. In John 11, we're going to see Jesus do the same thing. John 11, 41 through 42, we see Jesus giving God praise before a manifestation came. He stood before Lazarus' tomb and he praised God while Lazarus was still dead. In John 11:41, he says this. He said, Jesus gazed into heaven and said, Father, thank you that you've heard my prayer. Had Lazarus come out yet? No. But he looked up. He said, Father, thank you. You've heard my prayer. And then in verse 42, he says, for you listen to every word I speak. That's what Jesus said. Do you know that he listens to every word you speak as well? He listens to your prayers. He listens to your prayers. I want to read that to you. I have a note to read it and amplify, so I'm going to do that. John 11, 41 and 42, it says this in the Amplified. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes. Remember, they'd gone, and they told Lazarus is dead. If you'd been here, you know, they're already saying, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died, you know. And uh, so he goes. And, you know, Jesus is emotionally moved by the death of Lazarus, although he knew. He would raise him. He, he was still emotionally moved for the, the comfort of his friends. They were his friends. You know what? You're his friends. You're his friends. Verse 41, so they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes, and he said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. 42, yes, I know you always hear and listen to me, but I have said this on account of and for the benefit of the people standing around, so that they may believe that you did send me, and you have made me your messenger. And so... He said he knew it, but he said it for those around him. Jesus functioned in the same spiritual law that we're talking about here. Father, I thank you that you have heard me. That's what we're doing. When we receive, Lord, I thank you you've heard me. You're praying. I thank you you've heard me. And then he says, and then Lazarus was still dead, but Jesus is saying, Father, I thank you. Really, he's saying, I think he's alive. You know what? Jesus wasn't sitting there looking at a dead body or picturing a dead wrapped up corpse. He was seeing him alive. God had heard him. He saw him coming out of that. He saw him coming out of that grave. He, he praised God before Lazarus was raised from the dead. He was saying, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I've already received the answer to my prayer. I already see Lazarus raised. I thank you that you've heard me. And Jesus praised the Father when there was no evidence of life. He praised him. Y'all, that's a spiritual principle. You've got to praise God when you don't see one thing looking alive or moving or your body changing one bit or your kids changing one bit or your husband or wife or your job or anything you praise God that is faith at work and praising God in the midst of it is a great uh, important spiritual principle to operate in I tell you what it just keeps the enemy out here and you just keep praising God it keeps your faith built he thanked God for already answering him and then He spoke to Lazarus. He spoke to him in verse 43, and then he said, after he said, Father, I thank you, hear me. He said, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Verse 44, and out walked the man who had been dead, his hands and feet wrapped in burial cloths. And you say, but that's Jesus. Jesus said, greater works than I did, you'll do. So don't be making no excuses. (laughs) Just saying. Just saying. He said, the power and authority that's been given to me, I give to you. I give to you. So anyway, so that's Jesus. You know, you've got to be able to stand in the midst of all the evidence of deadness and say, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I'm healed. I'm delivered. I have the desires of my heart. When everything looks dead, when it looks like there ain't no way that dead man's going to come out of that tomb, when it's like Abraham and it looks like there ain't no way this dead body can produce a baby, you've got to look into it, see past it, and thank God that you're healed, that you're delivered, that that baby will come, that that dead man will rise. You've got to look past it. And then you turn to your circumstances and you command them to line up with the word of God just like he did. He didn't just pray. What did he do? He turned and said, Lazarus, come out. Body, you're healed. Line up. Symptoms, you go in Jesus' name. He told us to speak. We believe, therefore we speak. We're speakers. We're speaking spirits. Jesus spoke. 
God spoke. The world was created with what? His word. And we put his word in our mouth and we speak and we just begin to stand in the authority that he's given us. We're enforcing. We're not making it happen. We're enforcing what he's already made happen. We're enforcing it by speaking. What did he say? Raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out devils. That's what he said. You turn to your circumstance, command them. Praise is faith at work. Speaking and declaring is faith at work. In Romans chapter 4, I want to read this in case you're saying, well, now Kim. But I'm going to read you this scripture that says in Romans chapter 4, uh, verse 17, the last part of it. It says, <clears throat> well, I'm going to read the whole thing. It's, again, this is God talking to Abraham, and God is reminding him, saying, you know, this is what I've said to Abraham. He said, as it is written, I've made you the father of many nations. He was appointed our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. Talking about Abraham believing God. And then it says, talking about God, it says, who gives life to the dead and speaks of the non-existence things that he's foretold and promised as if they already existed. That's how God does it. He speaks of it as if it already exists. You speak, and then it does. (laughs) You speak. It's important to speak. Let's look at Jonah. When he was in the whale's belly... The Bible says in Jonah chapter 2, verse 5, that the seaweed was wrapped around his head. Things look bleak, don't you think? I think that was probably pretty bleak looking for Jonah. In a, if you're in that whale spelling, you have not done what God asked you to do, and now uh, that's where you end up. Um, and so that seaweed, it says in verse 5, is wrapped around his head. Um, in verse 6, I'm going to read it to you. This is what Jonah begins to say. You know, the, the water's all around him. Seaweed's wrapped, literally wrapped around his head. It's what it says, Jonah chapter 2, verse 5. And then in verse 6, it says, I went down to the bottoms and the very roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit and corruption, O Lord my God. And I said about that, that that's his desire. You know, whatsoever you desire when you pray, that's his desire that his life's going to be brought up from this pit and this corruption. That's his desire. And then verse 7, he goes on to say, Jonah, here in the midst of the whale's belly or the great fish or whatever you want to call it, when my soul fainted upon me, crushing me, the Amplified says. Anybody ever felt a look crushed? By your soul, when my soul fainted upon me, crushing me, I earnestly and seriously remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. And so here he is. He's lifting his prayers before God. He's making his prayer. We see his desire. And then, and then it says in verse 9, he's making his prayers to God. He's remembering. And then he says, he said, as for me, In verse 9 of Jonah 2, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that which I vowed. Salvation and deliverance belong to the Lord. So, he spoke his desire. He prayed it. He received. He began to speak and praise God before, while he was still in that whale's belly, he began to to praise God, and then he began to say salvation and deliverance belong to the God. He began to declare his salvation and his deliverance. And you know what happened? The Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Is what happened. And here Jonah's in the midst of the bleakest situation, but he began to, to, to desire, to pray, to receive, and then he had it. Jonah considered his situation. Ever, consider it. Everywhere he looked, there was whale. You ever been in a situation like that? Everywhere you look, it's whale and the seaweed's on your head. Trouble surrounded him. It was a hopeless situation in the natural, but he remembered God. He prayed to him. He began to praise him and give him thanksgiving, declaring that salvation and deliverance belonged to the Lord. Therefore, it belonged to him because God wanted to give it to him. And that's when God spoke. And, you know, the Lord tells us, to, that's old covenant, the Lord tells us to speak now. He tells us to speak. Every day you should praise God for what he's promised you. If it is a physical need, even if the symptoms rage in your body, do not put your attention on the symptoms. I just want to mention Dodie Osteen, Joel Osteen's mother. Y'all may have 
heard her testimony or read about her testimony. She was a nurse, so it's not that she was not aware of uh, physical things and, and uh, ailments. She was RN. She knew very well uh, what things going on in our bodies meant. And she was sent home with uh, two to three weeks to live with metastatic cancer of the liver. There was nothing they could do for her, and they sent her home to spend her last weeks at home. She had had no treatments. They'd done nothing. They just diagnosed her, said there's nothing we can do, and we go. And she went home. But John Osteen, Joel's dad was her her, uh, husband, uh, a man full of faith, who lived what I'm talking about tonight. And he... They prayed, and they give the date. And in her book, she'll say, she talks about on this day, I think it was in December, I believe that I received my healing. Father, I thank you. On this day, I've received it. Now, symptoms, you go. Father, I thank you. I've received it. And every time the enemy would try to shake her confidence in God, she would come back on this day, I believe I received my healing from the Lord. And I heard Joel tell just the other night, because I told you all the reason I preached this, because he was telling a story from his dad's book that was in this little book I'm preaching out of his dad's. And so he said at first when his mother began to just, uh, when they first prayed, and she would st- was standing in faith, he said, it didn't get better. It didn't look better. It looked worse. She felt worse. Things looked like that they were going downhill. But she just refused to let go. She refused to let go of the word of God, of the promise of God. She, you know, every man's a liar. Let God be true, but every man a liar. And, you know, the Bible says that the kingdom of God suffereth violence, but the violent take it by force. And I'm just going to tell you, you've got to take it by force. If you think the enemy's going to hand it over to you and let you get it without a, a fight, you're mistaken. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We're wrestling with those principalities, and he doesn't want us to have what God has paid for for us to have. So anyway, but she just stood, and she and John stood, and just stayed on the word and kept herself in remembrance in her eyes. And you know what? The tide of that battle began to turn. And her he- and there's a lot of healing scriptures that she read over herself every day. And she says to this day, she still prays them and reads them and receives them over herself. And Nahum 1-9, that that affliction will not arise a second time. And it's never risen again. No cancer in her body ever again. Other things begin going on. And the enemy's telling her what's coming back. It never did. Never has. And she's alive today, sitting on the front row, watching her son Joel preach. And I'm just saying... Though, she had to plant, make a stand. You know, you put on that armor of God. When all you've done, you know know to do, you stand. The enemy's going to try to knock you off, but you stand. And she just refused to bow to to the pressure of the enemy to give in. and Just go ahead and die. Go ahead and die. It's your reward anyway. Hey, if it's not your time, don't let go. Stand in what God's got for you. And she didn't want to live miserable. Anyway, so I just want to tell her a little thing because symptoms, it got worse. It didn't get better. You know, it changes and it gets worse. And we think, oh, well, I guess God didn't want to. How do you know the enemy is not just pressing you? God's word is true. The enemy is the one that torments us. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 29 and 30, I'm almost done. Ooh, almost done. Um, Peter was walking on the water. Y'all know that. His eyes were on Jesus. He was walking. You should know those waves were just as high and the wind was just as strong when he was walking as it was when he sank. The waves were the same when he was walking and when he sank. He walked because he did not look at the waves. He did not heed the wind. He looked at Jesus. But when he turned his attention to the high waves and the strong wind, he sank. Jesus is the word of God. He's the living word. We need to keep our eyes. No matter how high the waves get, how strong the wind, keep our eyes and attention on the Lord and what he's telling us. Keep walking. Keep your eyes on the living word. Keep praising him. Every contrary thing that comes against you, whether it's financially, mentally, emotionally, morally, in your home, maritally, physically, or any contrary thing that has, that tries to get you to doubt God's word should be the very indication to you that you need to keep on looking at Jesus. All that stuff when the enemy tries to stir it up, and you know you got a, something stirred up over here, and then he'll try to stir up something over here. You just got to keep that focus. Jesus said he set his face like flint to go to Jerusalem. You just got to set your face. You got to point toward him. 
and refuse to be pulled off. Keep your eyes on the word. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19 just talks about, you know, though the fig tree doesn't blossom, there be no fruit in the field. Habakkuk goes on to say, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, the victorious God of my salvation. And then he begins to declare that uh, God is my uh my invincible army, he's my strength, he makes my feet like hind feet, I'm not going to turn to it because I'm going to let you go. But uh, the point is that Habakkuk, everything was a mess out here, but he just praised God and he began to declare who God was. And you know what, things got better. It's a principle of God. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> Sorry. I need to pull this off. I'm going to have to get a drink. Sorry, I'm trying to preach too fast and too hard to y'all. <clears throat> One last thing. <coughs> I want to read to you in the Passion Translation. I know y'all can't hear me. <coughs> in Romans chapter 8, I want to read this to y'all and then we'll finish. Last scripture. Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 38. This is what it says in the Passion. So now I live with this confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that this love, his love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. There is no power above us or beneath us, no power that can could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. That's what he says to you. Nothing can separate you. Nothing. No troubles. Nothing. I want to read you a footnote from the Passion Translation. <clears throat> it says this from that very verse. It says, love has made us more than conquerors in four ways. Um, in verse 37, I probably forgot to read verse Oh, I didn't even read. I didn't even start in 35. Man, alive. I only started. Where did I start? Well, anyway, I won't read you all those, but it's so good. Who could ever separate us from the endless love of God? Absolutely no one. There's no. i got to read it. Verse 35. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love toward us. Troubles, pressures, problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions, deprivations, dangers, and death threats? No. For they're all impotent to hinder omnipotent love. Even though it is written all day long. We do face threats. We, we live in a fallen world and stuff happens. But it says in verse 37. Yet in the midst of all these things we triumph over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors. And he's demonstrated love. His demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. <clears throat> and then I read you verse 38. So. <coughs> Four things it says in this uh, footnote on this verse. Number one, four things that love has made us more than conquerors in four ways. No situation in life can defeat us or dilute God's love. Number two, we know that divine love and power work for us to triumph over all things. Number three, we share in the victory spoils of every enemy we face. When he's defeated, we share in those spoils. And number four, we have conquered the conqueror with merely a glance of our worshiping eyes. We've won his heart. And that's out of Song of Solomon. I looked it up. It's a beautiful, beautiful scriptures. We've won his heart. You've won his heart. Isn't that beautiful? Clearly implied in the text with the Greek word, Hooper Nikaia, the love of God gives us a glorious hyper victory, more than can be described in just one word. God's love and grace has made us hyper-conquerors, empowered to be unrivaled, more than a match for any foe. That's who you are. Amid all these things, we triumph over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors, hyper-conquerors. He's made you a super-conqueror. Nothing can defeat you in him. Our confidence is in God, his word, his love, and his grace for us. So, from Mark 11:24, I'm finishing. Pray, knowing he hears. Receive, knowing he cares. Have, knowing he answers. Praise, knowing he is faithful. And declare, knowing it's yours. Amen. Father, we thank you.
Sorry I had to go so fast, Lord, but I did. Oh, and I didn't tell him one thing. Okay, I'm going to cut the prayer for just a second. Why don't you don't want to let the devil squalor your cows? I'm going to tell you that story just real quick. This is what John Osteen said. <clears throat> and this was in the little book that I've been teaching out of. But, and Joel told it the other night when I heard him start telling it. Oh, my gosh, he's telling a story about the cows. Okay, this is it. John Osteen, they would always bring missionaries in every year around Thanksgiving, and they pay their way bringing those missionaries from all over the world to come into Lakewood Church to minister to them, to refresh them, to bless them. And so then uh, they fed them. They would feed them all week long at this at this conference. I mean, I would see that thing. I wanted to go to that so bad. Anyway, okay. But anyway, so John began to believe for two cows. He began to believe for two cows that God would give him two cows. And... He, would, he talked about it in front of the, the uh, congregation and said, God's going to give us two cows. God's going to give us two cows. And John said, he said, you know what? He said, as time went on, the cows didn't come. And he said, and he got closer to the conference. And the enemy began to speak to him and said, you've got the money in the treasury. Why don't you go ahead and buy the cows? Just go ahead and buy them. Have God said, you know. And so... The enemy just began to speak to him. And so he said less and less about the cows to the congregation to where he said no more about the cows. And he went and bought the cows with the money he had in the treasury. A few nights later, after the conference, he had a dream. And he said he was walking down this road. And he looked over into this field. It was a country road. And he looked over into this field. And he says, there were these two long, huge snakes. Two huge, long snakes. And in the middle of those snakes, he could see the perfect shape of a cow in each one. Anybody ever seen a snake with something in it like a frog? Ooh, my neighbor did that one time. It just grossed me out and scared me too. But, you know, it had a lump in it, and then he squeezed it, and out came a frog. So nasty and scary. But, so, I mean, like in snakes, you really can see stuff. I don't know that was a frog, but you can see stuff in there. But in his dream, it was just a dream from God speaking to him, and in those two snakes, he saw the shape of a cow in each snake, and the Lord said to him, he said, don't let the devil swallow your cows again. Don't let the devil swallow your cows again, because the point is, God had the cows for him. Yes, he had the money, but you know, God wanted to bless him with those cows and maybe do something else with that. You know, I'm just saying, he was believing, but he let the enemy talk him out of it. He let the devil swallow his cows. Y'all get the point? So I had to tell you the story. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the great man of God, John Osteen, his son Joel, and, Father, for other men and women of God that have taught us and teach us continually how to stand in faith, how to not give in to the enemy, and how to praise our way to victory, Father, while we're standing and watching and believing. Father, we thank you that you are just sealing this seed and growing this seed. I say it's fallen on good ground in our hearts, and we're going to walk it out and live it out, Father, by your grace and by your power. And, Father, even at times when we stumble and fall and say, I believe in God, get back up. Though we fall, we shall arise. We're just going to, we may not do things perfectly, but that's okay, Father. We'll just walk it out and let you teach us and help us. 